So leadership is on a lot of our minds in a lot of different ways these days. Uh, if you turn on the news at night, just about any night of the week, you can see that there's a lot of talk about who's going to lead our country, uh, a lot of talk about those kinds of things. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been under the leadership of a bad leader. Show of hands. Anybody been under the leadership of a bad leader, right? Okay. All right, flip the script. Anybody would say there was a spot or a season or a team I was a part of or this or that and I had the joy of serving with or working with a great leader. Anybody been with a great leader? All right. Who would say it made a big difference between good and bad leader, right? Anybody? Okay. Good. So leadership matters. That's the reason we have our news on the news right now is that leadership matters, right? We're trying to determine who would be the best candidate or leader for our country. Uh, and that election's coming up soon. Not to talk about politics. What I want to talk about is what does God have in store for the leadership of His church? What, what does God have in mind for the leadership of His church? Now, we're, we're a 10-year-old church. We're, we're not a, a, a Baptist church or a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church. So maybe you wonder, what's the leadership structure like at Mountain View Church? What, what is it? How is it? And uh, what does it look like? Well, what we want to do is walk through what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about what a leader is meant to be? And what does the Bible say about leadership in the church? So for the next two weeks, we're going to talk today and next week about biblical church leadership and specifically the role of elder. So um, I hope you got one of the teaching guides. In fact, if you did not and you would like one, uh, lift your hands because I... We're going to walk through this, and if you'd like one, lift your hand, and Judson, would you mind grabbing some of those off the, off the table, and he'll come to you if you'll just kind of keep your hand close by. The reason I want you to have this resource is because we're going to walk through a lot of Scripture together, and we're going to go quickly. There are no more? Hey, man, that's a good problem. Let's see. I can fix that right now. How cool is technology? Okay, there's 10 more on the copy machine. <laughs> How about that, right? They're on the copy machine out in the front. Okay. But you never heard that in a sermon, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're talking biblical eldership, right? So the, the, what does God have in store for his church? First thing I want you to see is that an elder is a shepherd and overseer in God's church. An elder is a shepherd. That's where we get our word pastor. It's the Greek word poimen. And an overseer in God's church. Now that's going to be our main overarching truth we're talking about today is that a, a, an elder is a shepherd and overseer in God's church. I want you to go home with that reality. That's what a pastor elder is meant to do and to be. We're going to read from Acts chapter 20 today. So as you're finding your place in Acts chapter 20, let me tell you what's going on here. Paul's getting ready to go back to Jerusalem and he's going to leave the church at Ephesus. He's been with them for a while and he's about to leave the church at Ephesus and head back to Jerusalem and he just knows I'm not going to see you people again. I love you. I've been with you for a few years now. I'm leaving Timothy with you. 
but I'm not coming back. And so Paul calls the elders together of the church in Ephesus, and he's got some last things he wants them to know before he leaves. So this teaching is very important. Um, Next week, our church plans to appoint, to affirm three new elders in the church. And so today, if nobody else is listening, those men need to be listening because a lot of this teaching from the Apostle Paul is directed right toward the elder. But I don't want the rest of us to tune it out. Okay, all right, if you needed one of the teaching guys, please lift up your hand. They're coming to you. Okay, just hold it up until you get one. Don't tune out this teaching from the Apostle Paul because elders are just meant to be the prime examples that we all follow. So all of this teaching applies to all of us. But these, this teaching in particular is for the shepherds and overseers of God's church. I'm going to give us just a moment. Everybody got one that wants one? Perfect. All right, if you found your place in Acts 20, why don't you stand with me as we read together. We're going to read a lengthy passage, but I want us to get it all. Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. And with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of... None of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay a careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. 
In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Father, be our teacher today. Lord Jesus, we want to be a church that honors you at every level. So Lord, especially um, with our elders, I pray that our elders would be spirit-filled men shepherding and overseeing this flock. In Jesus' name, amen. What I want to do this morning, I'll break this down into three quick parts. The first part, I want to do a quick exposition. Um, Actually, the first part, what I want to do is take an overview. I want to take an overview about God's affection for His church. The second part is an exposition of this text. We're just going to walk line by line by line by line through this passage, through Paul's example and through Paul's exhortation. So that's our three parts of this message. Let's start with the first one. Number one, God loves His church. It's a very simple statement, but I chose every word um, on purpose. God loves His church. It's His church. I want you to look quickly where this whole part comes from out of Acts 20, 28. The verse says, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Care for the church of God. Now listen to this phrase, which he obtained with his own blood. The church of God. If you're a part of God's church, he bought you with his blood. And what we know about that is that that's. A beautiful expression of the love of God. Romans 5, 8 says, But He demonstrated His love in this, that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So His death on the cross is the greatest expression of God's love ever. He shed His own blood for the church. So here's what we say about that. The church belongs to Christ. Listen, it's his church, not my church, not any of our elders' church. This is his church. The church belongs. Look, the words in in Acts 20, 28 says, which he obtained with his own blood. Blood was the purchase price. He purchased and he obtained a church for himself. You are part of his prized possession. We could read a number of scriptures about that possession identity. The church belongs to Christ. The church is precious to God. He gave His only Son. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. The church is precious to God. There's lots of expressions about that in the New Testament. We see the church is called the bride of Christ in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Um, Sarah, do you have that scripture ready to be pulled up? I'd like to look at it if you can pull it up. Look, look at this. So husbands to wives. This is probably the, the relationship where most affection happens horizontally, right? Husband to wife. Look what the scriptures say. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loves the church. He gave himself up for her. 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it. Look, look at just as Christ does the church. The church belongs to Christ. The church is precious to Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The body. I put on your notes here the universal body. You can read about that. Every believer everywhere. Colossians 1 talks about the, the, the people of God. Every believer everywhere are brought into God's family. But then in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks specifically about how the body of Christ functions. Head, hands, eyes, feet. And the requirement there is that we're interwoven. Our lives are connected and all the New Testament, over 40 times it talks about the one another's. We do life together as one another because we're the body of Christ. A third illustration is that we're the household or the temple of God. A household or temple. First uh, Corinthians 3 says that we're the dwelling place. Now, for sure, your body, 1 Corinthians 6, he says, your body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But 1 Corinthians 3 talks about the corporate body of Christ is the dwelling place of God. And here's what's crazy is Ephesians 2 says that God is doing a work to pull together people from every people group, every tribe. It talks about specifically the Jew and the Gentile being brought together in unity. And we could broaden that perspective because of what the picture that Revelation paints for us. Is every tribe, tongue, nation, color, race, creed, all peoples that have come into faith in Jesus are grafted into one household. It's the church and it's precious to God. The church is the plan of God. The church is the plan of God. But what are you talking about? This is huge. Jesus said to, uh, to Peter in Matthew 16, you know, that, that great account where uh, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And they keep going on and on about, well, some say you're this, some say you're that. And Peter comes out and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, uh, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, brother. But the father did. And then he goes on and he says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. So the church is the plan of God to show the power and authority of Christ. Jesus is in control. Right? There's no reason to stress or worry because Christ said he's going to build his church. So what's he going to do? He's going to build his church. He has the authority and the power to do it. We can trust him. The church is the plan of God to display the manifold wisdom of God. One of my favorite verses just rocks my world all the time is Ephesians 3.10. And that's exactly what it says. That God has chosen to display His manifold wisdom through the church. Isn't that wild? Now in context, you know what's happening here? Is that Ephesians 2 and now Ephesians 3 is that all the things that should divide us no longer divide us. The fact that I'm white, you're black, 
I'm American, white, Caucasian, and he's Asian, and he's this, or she's that. All those things, he's Democrat, he's Republican. All those things that should divide us no longer divide us because Christ is bringing together a people who will display the manifold wisdom of God. That's, this is huge. And then at the end of that chapter, we get to the next thing that's the plan of God is to display the eternal glory of God. Ephesians 3 20 and 21, maybe you know this passage. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Now look at it. To him be glory where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this thing that we do on Sunday is not a temporary reality. The plan of God is to pull together a people for his own glory for all eternity. That's what this is. It's a people. Now, I said all that to say this. God cares deeply about the health of his church. He cares deeply about the health of his church. Maybe you want to circle the word health. Because I want you to think about about this. Here's what he means by that. He cares about the purity of his bride. Remember Ephesians 5? To present her spotless, right? The purity of his bride. He cares about the growth of his body. Ephesians 4, it says, when all the parts are working well, we build one another up and we grow, right? And then Ephesians 2, the unity of the household. Ephesians 3, the unity of the temple. That we, the world says, you shouldn't have anything in common. We say, we have Jesus in common. What more do we need? God cares deeply about the health of his church. And the reason I say all of that is to say God has not left us as sheep without shepherds. He has made, number two, God made elders to care for his church. Specifically, right out of Acts 20, 28, listen to what it says. He's talking to the elders and he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So number two, as we discuss this text now, God made elders to care for his church. And what does that look like? If you want to write in the margin on your notes there, Paul's example. Paul gives us an example all through this text. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 27 now. Here's what he says. You yourselves know how I lived among you. Let me show you. Let me tell you my example as an elder, as a fellow shepherd of the flock. Here's my example. He says, uh, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears. So we, we say elders should serve the Lord with humility and tears. Now, what's the point of that? What's the significance there? Well, number one, there's no place for pride in God's church. So as an elder, as a shepherd, as a pastor, just because I'm a pastor in this church doesn't mean I'm any better than you. I'm not. I'm a sheep. And sometimes I'm a bad sheep. <laughs> I just had to do that. Right? I'm so glad 
I'm so glad you laughed. Right? I thought, I thought this is gonna be terrible, but you guys are so kind. Y'all are like family, right? So I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. But God has appointed that some of us sheep be be be, be overseers, be the sheep that lead. Right? I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. But God has appointed. There's no place for pride. No place for it. It's unacceptable. Paul says, I serve the Lord with humility and with tears. Men, specifically elders in the room. When's the last time you cried for this church? What do you shed tears over? It's the things you care most about, right? So what Paul is teaching us is that there's no place for apathy in the church of Jesus Christ. You cannot lead a people you don't care about. No place for pride. No place for apathy. Next, Paul says in verse 20 that he, he declares, he says, you, you, you know how I was among you, verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. And my takeaway from this is that there's no fear to speak the truth. You know, a lot of people think that if you're loving, that you're soft and you don't speak truth. And what I want us to know is that truth without love is not truth. And love without truth isn't love. They're not exclusive realities. Paul says, I wasn't afraid to declare the truth to you. I boldly declare the truth to you and. We got to follow his example. Then he says, I, I was speaking to you the things that were profitable. I love that word I was digging into. And it's talking about love. He's talking about to build you up, right? We're thinking back through what, what, what God says that we're his, we're his body. We're meant to be built up. I want to give you a definition for love. It's this. Pursuing the highest good of another. Love is pursuing the highest good of another. A few weeks back, I was helping serve at Celebrate Recovery, and I was just fixing coffee, and there's a girl, and she, she was fixing her coffee, putting way too much sugar in it, Philip, I'm telling you. Uh, but uh, she was fixing her coffee, and we just had a short little conversation, and she said, this is my third week here. I said, how are you liking it? She said, I, I love it. I've asked um, my job at McDonald's to let me off on Thursday nights just so I could be here. I need to be here. This matters. It's, it's making a difference in my life. And I said, well, you're so young. Like, why are you here? And she was telling me that she had an addiction issue. She's only 20 years old. And um, her mom and dad put her in a rehab. She didn't want to do it. And I could just tell in the conversation that she kind of resented them a little bit. She said, I haven't talked to my mama yet. But I'm looking forward to talking to her. And I got to tell her, I said, I want to tell you something. Your mama loves you enough to do something hard. She loved you enough to pursue the highest good for you. Even though it hurt you. You think she did this to you because she doesn't love you. And I'm telling you, she put you here because she does love you. Love is pursuing the highest good of another. And that's what Paul's saying. I, I spoke to you what was profitable. He says, I was teaching you in, in public and in private. And here's what I take away from this. Paul's with them wherever they were. They couldn't get away from this joker. 
Here's the thing, elders, as pastors, as shepherds, you got to smell like the sheep. Good shepherds always smell like their sheep. We've got to be with people. If we're going to lead them, we've got to be with them. A shepherd who's not with his sheep is, is not a good shepherd. Paul's given us an example. And then he says in verse 21, we look at verse 21. Paul says, I was testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what we know. Paul is gospel centered. He's preaching the gospel. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent of your sin. Trust in Jesus. Right? That's gospel centered. As elders and shepherds in this church, I promise you, we will be gospel centered. We've got nothing else to stand on but the gospel of Jesus. At one point, Jesus asked his disciples, are you going to leave me? And Peter said, to whom would we go? You alone have the words of life. That's the truth. The gospel is the words of life. We will not abandon the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul preaches the gospel and he's gospel centered and he's unity focused. Who did he preach it to? Both Greeks and Jews, right? He wasn't showing any favoritism. He wasn't leaning toward one race or another. He's pulling people together. He's like, I'm going to put this. I'm going to help. I'm going to be part of God's working here to pull the sheep together. It doesn't matter what color they are, or how they make their noises or whatever they do. It doesn't matter. We're God's sheep. We're going to pull them together. Unity. He's unity focused. Hmm. The second thing or the next thing I see here, verses 22 through 23, Paul follows the Holy Spirit. He follows the Holy Spirit even to suffering. Paul chose a word here. He chose to use the word constrained. I had to look it up. It's an uncommon word in Greek, but it means bound. What Paul's saying is, I didn't have any choice. The Holy Spirit has control over me. and He's telling me, I'm, I must do this. I must go to Jerusalem. I must do this. And in, in this particular verse, 22 and 23, let's look at them. Paul says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. Elders, men, all of us in the room. Let's be spirit filled people. I feel like so many times we listen for so many voices. We consult all the people that we think are wise or we think maybe they know better than we do. And that's not bad. All right. But as Jesus people, we have a counselor. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Listen to him. Be constrained by the spirit. Submit yourself to his control and follow his lead, even to suffering. Look at what Paul says. I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He knew he didn't know what was going to happen. He just knew it was going to be bad. Elders. Christians, we must follow the Lord to do what's right, even when it isn't easy. We must follow Christ to do what he says, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, even if it costs you. He was faithful. He didn't know what was going to happen. He expected the suffering. He's gospel-centered and unity-focused. Next thing we see is he's, he has kingdom priorities and perseverance. Kingdom priorities and perseverance. Verses 24 through 27, 
Paul says, I don't account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus. Kingdom priority. Paul's saying, obedience to Christ is greater than life. He says it another way in Philippians 1 when he says, For to me, to live is Jesus Christ and to die is what? Gain. Paul says obedience to Jesus is greater than even staying on this planet. He had kingdom priorities. This is the role of a shepherd and elders to lead the people to see that Jesus matters more than whatever else Jesus matters more. He had perseverance. He was faithful to preach the gospel of grace. Let me tell you something. That was hard for Paul. In Paul's day, remember what he said in Philippians 3? If anybody has anything to brag about, it would be me. Hebrew among Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. He went through his list in Philippians chapter 3 of who he was. And then he said, but I count it all rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. It's all garbage. Just to know Jesus. That's the gospel of grace. What he's saying is, you think you're something. I'm more. But you know what? None of that matters. Because of the grace of Christ, it doesn't doesn't depend on who I am. It all depends on who he is. And that's good news. It's good news, but it's a hard pill to swallow. Because here's what it means. You can't earn your way to God. It's good news, but it's a hard pill for us to swallow. You will not get there on your own. You must be rescued. That's the gospel of grace. Paul's faithful to preach the gospel of grace. He's faithful to preach the whole counsel of God. Elders, church, we will never abandon this book. The whole book is the word of God meant to reveal the truth about who God is, his character, even the parts we 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 grimace at, we struggle with. We read them and we say, God, show me who you are. Paul preached the whole counsel of God. This is the example that he sets for us. Third thing, elders, shepherd, under Christ, the chief shepherd. Elders shepherd under Christ, the chief shepherd. I want you to look with me, if you will. We're going to actually, um, we get the illustration, the metaphor from Acts twenty twenty eight. He says, again, this is kind of our focus text. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So now we have a metaphor. Talking about sheep all of a sudden. In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care. That word care, maybe your translation says to pastor or to shepherd. Because that word is poimen, which is shepherd. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves. So now we're staying with the shepherd illustration, right? I want to show you another text. So find your place in 1 Peter Chapter 5, just really quickly, I want to run through what Peter says about shepherding under the authority of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And then we'll come back to Acts 20. In 1 Peter 5, 
It's on the screen if you want to look at it. Peter writes and says, So I exhort the elders among you. So again, now we've been listening to Paul teach the elders. Now we hear Peter teaching the elders. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's what he says. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. That's the reason Paul's preaching his example. And then here we have, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus Christ. Christ is the chief shepherd. Go back with me to Acts 20. I want us to get some commands, some imperatives from the Apostle Paul. Lots of scripture today. I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says. He says, keep a close watch on yourself. You ever been on an airplane and the uh, flight attendant is going through all the seatbelt and all that kind of stuff and they, they bust out the, uh, the oxygen mask thing? What's the instruction? Put it on yourself first. Why? Because you're of no good dead. <laughs> you're of no good to those children that are with you if you ain't breathing. What Paul's saying right here is keep a close watch on yourself. I want all of us to hear this, certainly for elders, but this is for every believer in the room. In fact, when I meet with our, our staff, our, our leadership team, I tell them this. The best thing you can do to serve this church is have a healthy personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important thing in your leadership is your personal holiness. Put that mask on. Meet with Jesus. Get in His Word. Spend time on your knees. Be intimate with God. Then come and help shepherd the flock. That's what Paul's telling us here. Keep a close watch on yourself. Secondly, he says, keep a close watch on the flock. A close watch. Don't watch from a distance. Don't be far. Be near. Be close. Watch the flock. The metaphor here is about a shepherd and his sheep. What does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? There's really just very few responsibilities, to be honest, but they're important. A shepherd feeds the sheep the word of God. A shepherd feeds the sheep the word of God. When we come together, you come to eat. We're here to feast on this book. Which is why when we come to preach, I don't tell you just my opinions or my thoughts or suggestions. We're going to read this book. We're going to pick it apart. We're going to study it and we're going to obey it. That's what it means to feed on the word of God. And that's what shepherds do. They put forth the word of God as our supreme authority. This book. This is what we feed on. A shepherd leads the sheep in the will of God. The beauty of of a healthy diet of this book is you begin to know the character of your God. You begin to know the kinds of things He wants you to do and doesn't want you to do. You listen for those direct commands to obey. You listen for sin to avoid. You listen and you read. And, and then 
You encourage and you shepherd one another. And as elders, as shepherds of the flock, that's our job is to lead people in the will of God. His revealed will through his word. And then even some specific things in their own lives to help them to discern by way of the Holy Spirit what God wants them to do. And thirdly, a shepherd cares for and protects the sheep with the heart of God. Twice in this passage, Paul says, I did this with tears. So when we care for and we guard and protect the sheep, it's because we love them. It's out of love. Um, do y'all think that uh, social media is listening to you? Anybody? I think, I, I think my phone is hearing me even when I don't have it on. and I'm, I just think it is. This week, uh, Wednesday night, we were walking through some of these scriptures together out there in the cafe. We were talking about shepherds and sheep. And I got home and I was scrolling on Facebook and there's a video of some lady shearing a sheep. And I was like, hold up now. Wait a minute. But I, I mean, I was intrigued. I thought, well, hey, I'd like to see what this looks like. So I watched this lady shear a sheep, you know. And it was the most like, she knew what she was doing. But she had that sheep in a headlock and had a leg over here and was just shearing. And I thought, the shepherd cares for the sheep. I just had that imagery in my mind. Thank you, Facebook. All right, so we care for, but we protect the flock. Right after this section, Paul's going to say, I know that when I leave, fierce wolves are coming in. Why does he say that? Because he's saying, it's on you, shepherds. I'm leaving. It's on you. Keep watch. Guard over this flock. Do not let them be attacked. Now, again, let's go back. All of this teaching goes back to the fact that God loves his church. Jesus Christ laid down his life for his sheep. John 10, 14. He says he laid down his life for the sheep. I want to give uh, you some homework. I'd love for you to read Ezekiel 34. And I just want to read a portion of it. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord talks about the shepherds who aren't doing their job. And he's serious. But then he makes a beautiful promise, and we'll finish right here. I want you to look with me. In verse 2, go to the next slide there. The Lord says, Ah, shepherds of Israel. Now look what he says. Read this on the screen with me. Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak ones you have not strengthened, the sick ones you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost one you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Now you can keep reading, you can read about how God is not happy about this. God's people, Israel, were given some leaders and they weren't doing their job. And God is not happy. 
But I want us to see. I'd love for you to read the whole chapter. It's beautiful. But I want you to see a couple of promises. Verse 11. Look at verse 11. You got that, Sarah? Look at this. Behold. You're fine. We'll get there. Look at the bottom. Behold, I. God's saying this. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I myself will search for my sheep. Down in in verse 15, he says it again. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. In verse 16, he says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat of the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Verse 22, he says, I will rescue my flock. Verse 25, he says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And then in verse 31, in case you missed the point, he says this, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord. So here's where we're at. Elders. We shepherd and oversee God's church under, under the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who came. He said, I will myself shepherd my sheep. He's the good shepherd. He came. I will rescue my flock. Jesus died on the cross to rescue a people to himself. He said, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And Jesus has done it. He's done it. He's the prince of peace. He's the good shepherd. He's our chief shepherd. This is his church. So two Two things for us. Number one, if you're a leader and elder in the church, hear this with weight. Jesus bought this church with his blood. It matters. And then secondly, for all of us, let's look to Christ. Look to Christ. Give grace to your leaders. We're not the chief shepherd. Look to Christ and be rescued in Jesus.